leadership, we want to be able to work hard, spend sweat equity, and earn our way in America and not have somebody give it to us. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us because we're going to tell you the truth. Give you the facts because we want you to be better informed for helping to make this a better America. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Herman, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm sure that the whole Brussels terrorist attack has rocked Washington, D.C. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, we don't have, there's not uh, dramatic differences in security or anything here. I mean, they're watching the subway a little more and things like that. But there's no, you know, the, the again, the Obama administration and the Department of Homeland Security saying that there's no credible threat of anything occurring here in the United States. But obviously a terrible situation over there. Uh, sort of ironic that, again, this latest attack comes as uh, as it's, it's during an overseas trip by President Obama. Remember, it was back in November when the president was visiting Asia uh, that the attacks in Paris occurred. And he was criticized for not reacting strongly enough to those attacks. Today, the president, of course, is in Cuba. He used about 50 seconds at the top of his speech in Cuba today to make remarks on the attacks in Brussels. And I'm sure uh, that some people will argue that that wasn't enough. Uh, John Kasich, among those uh, demanding today that the president return to the U.S. and cut short his trip in order to deal with Brussels, there's no indication that the White House is going to do that. The president will be going down, I think it's to Argentina, after his stop in Cuba. Uh, certainly, this brings out a range of not only just straight-up reaction and horror, but the political reaction as well. And I think for a number of Republicans, they would argue that not enough has been done on the Islamic State front by this administration, and that not enough has been done by the Europeans either to try to stem the tide on the Islamic State. And now we're seeing what some have called today just an all-out war uh, that is going on in Europe. Uh, Ted Cruz is here in D.C. He spoke to reporters just about an hour ago and uh, said now is not the time for the president to lecture Americans on Islamophobia or anything like that. As he also, Cruz did, used his remarks to uh, to take some jabs at Donald Trump. For example, Trump yesterday in a sit-down with the editorial board of the Washington Post was asked would he send more U.S. troops over to uh, Syria in the Middle East to try to uh, attack the Islamic State uh, forces and headquarters there. And Trump sort of echoed really what the policy is right now, the Obama administration, and that uh, not U.S. troops, but trying to get other Arab nations to, to pony up troops and money to go after the Islamic State. And so look for Cruz, I think, uh, in those foreign policy remarks of Donald Trump from yesterday in that Washington Post editorial board interview. Uh, Cruz, I think, uh, sort of foreshadowed some of his uh, uh, attacks against Trump that he's going to use, saying that Trump was for preemptive surrender and not uh, having a strong enough military footprint overseas. It's interesting, Herman, because Trump yesterday sort of put forward a, a worldview that is a little less bellicose, or actually I'd say a lot less bellicose than what he's been saying out on the stump. And I think you'll see Cruz go after that a whole bunch in coming days. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he will. Now, was there another meeting 
today versus the one yesterday when Trump was going to sit down with some GOP leaders. And uh, not that I one. know of. The there same could one. have been that uh, that uh, that we aren't, aren't hearing about. But the only one we heard about was yesterday. And it was really quite interesting. I mean, we weren't allowed inside. But I'm always sort of interested in who comes out, who speaks to the press and who does not. Uh, one of the uh, I mean, so some of the big names that were in there uh, included Senator Jeff Sessions of Alabama. He did not come out and talk with us yesterday. Uh, Sessions, of course, has been on board for the last few weeks with Trump and publicly endorsed him at an event I was at in northern Alabama a few weeks ago. Uh, Duncan Hunter, who's a lawmaker, a Republican from Southern California, was there, along with a few others, uh, current Republicans. There weren't that many Republican lawmakers who were there. I thought one of the more notable people, two of them that I would say, Jim DeMint, the head of the Heritage Foundation, a former senator himself, and also Bob Livingston, a former Republican from Louisiana, who at one point was going to be Speaker of the House before he left back at the end of the ga- of the right. new Gingrich reign. Gingrich was also there. And and I note Livingston for this reason. After he left uh, the Congress, he started up a gigantic lobbying operation in D.C. And I mean, as is as uh, GOP establishment in D.C. as you can possibly get. And I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just a straight up what it is. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that's an interesting entree for Trump to get into somebody like Livingston. If he can get more of those people on board, certainly he would see maybe more of the D.C. establishment follow. But the one, uh, you know, two people who weren't there were Speaker Ryan and Majority Leader McConnell. Not that I think they were going to be there, but I still think it's emblematic of the difficulty uh, that Trump has been having in getting into inside the Republican Party, especially the elected side of the party at this point. Interesting. Now, Newt Gingrich came out yesterday. He didn't, uh, uh, you know, we were all sitting, standing outside. There were all kinds of reporters, and Gingrich came out and just got in his car and left and didn't say anything, <laughs> but then commented later. And we were all a bit surprised because, I mean, uh, TV cameras and Newt Gingrich just sort of go together, and I don't mean that in a mean way. You mean just, he just walked on past them? And He did, yes. He, wow. he, he got his wife in the car, and uh, they left, and uh, he only would say that uh, the law firm where they were having the lunch uh, makes a good lunch or something like that. So that was all <laughs> that he said. Uh, you know, look, it's... um. It's an interesting time for Trump because clearly he has made great inroads across the nation with voters, but he has yet to get into that group of Republicans that I think would help him sort of cement this nomination in a quick manner. And there still is reluctance, it is obvious, and outright skepticism, I think, still from some Republicans about Trump being the nominee. Now, tonight uh, we'll get uh, more delegates being picked and awarded. Uh, That'll be in Arizona and Utah for the Republicans, in Arizona, Utah, and Idaho for the Democrats. Democrats. One would think that Trump would be the favorite in Arizona and that Ted Cruz is the favorite in Utah. In fact, if you've seen some of the polling from out in Utah, it's really sort of astonishing because Donald Trump has been down as low as 11 percent in Utah. And it raises the big question, uh, what's going on there? And I think more than anything, it's that Mormon voters, uh, for a variety of reasons, really do not like Donald Trump. And we have seen that in certain areas of Nevada and Idaho where Trump struggled. And so watch those numbers tonight in Idaho to see how how much Trump really gets. If he gets all the delegates, 58 of them in Arizona, then it doesn't matter what goes on in Utah. Trump will expand his delegate lead over Ted Cruz no matter what, because there's only 40 delegates in Utah. So uh, I would think that the the possible headline tomorrow morning certainly would be that Trump and Hillary Clinton are expected to expand their delegate lead. We'll see what happens tonight. But now in Utah, remember, Mitt Romney, 
he did, he's been doing robocalls for Ted Cruz. Well, those so, robocalls in other states didn't yep, exactly help too didn't much. Exactly help. I think that in Utah, it's baked in a little more against yep. Trump because of the Mormon thing than any than maybe in some other states. Yeah. So, uh, for example, I think Romney did robocalls for Rubio in Idaho. Rubio got 18 percent, if I remember correctly. He uh, did them for Kasich in Michigan. Uh, Kasich did finish third there. He did do them for Kasich in Ohio, but I think that was sort of a a you know that that is not the typical kind of thing with Kasich being the sitting governor there that allowed him to win over Trump. Uh, but certainly Romney has been carrying uh, the torch for the anti-Trump movement. We'll yep. see if it works in Utah tonight. Now, go back to Utah for a moment. If Cruz does not get fifth, a little over 50 percent. Then it goes to a proportional handout. Proportional. Yeah. Got it. So it would be divided up amongst Cruz. 40 delegates divided by that 100 percent. By that 100 percent right. based yeah. upon the, how the votes came in and stuff like that. Exactly. And, I, and, I, and let's see, off the top of my head, I better check just before I say that there's no proportionality. I, something tells me that there was a 15 percent or something like that. But let me check real quick here. Yes, you have to, if three or more candidates get 15 percent or more of the vote, then those would be proportionally allocated uh, to those. So there is a 15% threshold. So threshold. if Trump doesn't get to that, then he could be out delegates on that. And again, well, there's you know there's states where we see Trump in the 20s and 30s and 40s. We don't see many states where Trump is in around 10%, uh, but that's what he was in the latest poll in the Salt Lake newspaper. Now, Kasich is on the ballot in Utah, right? Yes, he is. And there are some Cruz people who are uh, definitely not pleased with him because he has been trying hard there, and they think he's going to draw votes away from Cruz and could deny him that 50% mark. You know, Kasich obviously would like to uh, get some delegates as well. I still think probably he stands a better chance to just camp out in states like Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and Rhode Island over the next couple of weeks. I would think that there would be a significant Trump vote in all five of those eastern states which vote on April the 26th, but I would think that that's a place where he plays, he, Kasich, would play better than Ted Cruz, for example example, as sort of the opposition to Trump. But we'll have to see. Kasich tomorrow will be in Wauwatosa, Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, I believe is where he is tomorrow. Wisconsin is the next primary. After today, we take two weeks off, and then April the 5th will be next, then two more weeks off, and April the 19th in New York. So this is going to be a slow period. For example, I was just looking at Trump's schedule before we came on the air. He does not have any events scheduled the rest of this week at this point in time, and I would assume we'll see things slow down a bit as we get to Easter. Uh, at the APAC meeting, uh, Clinton, Cruz, and Kasich all tried to go to the right of Trump according to your post. Is yeah, that right? And, I mean, basically, uh, Trump had talked about being neutral in, uh, in when it comes to negotiations involving Israel and the Palestinians on peace. Now, he didn't really repeat that last night in his AIPAC speech and, and tried to cast himself as someone who was a bit more uh, pro-Israel. But there was an interesting thing. I, I, uh, uh, Politico reported on this that the, the head of AIPAC read a, uh, um, uh, a statement uh, basically saying that, uh, that well, let me, let me say this, that talking about Trump's remarks that seemed to disavow some of what Trump said yesterday as he attacked uh, President Obama during his speech. So 
Uh, APAC senior leaders seemingly not pleased with some of the details of what Trump brought forward yesterday. It's a reminder uh, that a lot of Jewish groups have a lot of Democratic votes in them as well. I would think uh, what what I took from last night uh, was uh, interesting that certainly Ted Cruz and John Kasich and Hillary Clinton as well are simply much more well-versed when it comes to foreign policy uh, issues. It's not meant as a knock at Trump. I just think it's the just the truth of where it is right now. And for a lot of people, that is fine with them. Uh, but I think those speeches showed that off yesterday. Trump, for one of the rare times, actually used a teleprompter, which usually he ridicules every time he gets up and has an event and says he would never use one. But yesterday, it was obvious he wanted to stay on script and give the uh, the exact detailed speech that his people had laid out for him. Really? Now, that is interesting. I've never seen him do that, even in some of the uh, press conferences. Yeah, usually when he gives a speech, he'll have it written down, yeah. uh, you know, on paper, and he'll just look at it that. But yesterday, he actually used the teleprompter. I, I don't remember him using one before. Maybe he has at various points. But certainly, I can just imagine, I can hear him in my head ridiculing the idea of using a teleprompter. And, of course, that goes straight to President Obama. What? Again, today, I think the most jarring thing today about the aftermath of the Brussels attacks was seeing the president uh, devote so little time to them and then give his extended speech in Cuba on that. And again, two times now that the president has been overseas for these attacks, and I would expect probably that there will be Republicans who say he's not taking this one seriously enough. One last quick question. Did any of the rabbis walk out when Trump was I going don't to speak know that there was, that was a, a rumor. I didn't hear of any. I'm, I would bet there had to be somebody who uh, got out. But at, at first, the applause was very polite at the beginning. And then the crowd really got into Trump's speech later on and gave him a big standing ovation. Much, I have to say, it was interesting to see to the consternation of some Democrats who were there who felt like that uh, their group, the APAC group, should not be giving Trump a standing ovation of any type. Amazing. Well, thanks a lot, Jamie. See you, Herman. You're listening to The Herman Cain Show.